Backed empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Backed to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty, and rewards points and gift cards. Go to BackedBakt.com and start treating your digital assets just like cash. I'd like to also thank Kraken. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit kraken.com scoop to learn more. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy-to-use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone. No account registration is required. Download Exodus at exodus.com and you're ready to go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And today is an incredibly special episode. It's the first in-person, in-studio recording of The Scoop since, I think, February 2020. And we're in our new office. And on the other side of the mic, we're very pleased to have digital artist People Pleaser joining us today to unpack all the things going on in the wonky world of nfts she brought us a cover that much everyone knows this thing so that's what kind of propelled her to fame i'm not going to give you a hard time about not putting me on it (laughs) i forgave you it's okay no no dramas there thanks for coming on the show oh thank you for having me i made the mistake of starting with a joke which i've read is not what you should do when you begin a show because the audience isn't warmed up yet But in any case, can you tell our listeners who maybe have been stuck under a rock for the past few months about your background? For sure. So yeah, I'm a digital artist. I go by the artist name People Pleaser. You can probably find me on Twitter. And I've, for the past six years or whatever, and since the pandemic, I've lost track of time really, was working in visual effects and 3D animation and things like this, and then passively investing in crypto since 2017. But then I saw sort of like an opportunity for my career and crypto investment paths to merge um, during the pandemic when I basically was unemployed and I didn't have a job. And then I discovered crypto Twitter, actually. And this was when DeFi Summer was taking off. So then it kind of re-peaked my interest again. And then I, so then I just started contributing to the space. And then I started making these little DeFi animations um, for various protocols. And then basically some 20 videos later, I made the Uniswap V3 announcement animation. And then that's right. Yeah, we can. I mean, we can talk about that. that I almost forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, I would say like that's probably my that was a huge I mean, that was a huge announcement. So getting the opportunity to kind of create the illustration that conveyed what was one of their most important upgrades. I know. um, I obviously I think, yeah, there's like I basically I would say in my crypto career so far two like moments where I was like, this is huge. I can't screw this up. The first one was when the Uniswap V3 announcement happened. And the second one was for the fortune cover because both I felt like I knew that there were going to be a lot of eyes on these. Um, And so I took it very seriously. I put a lot of pressure on myself to 
really sort of deliver something that is aesthetically pleasing to me, but also, you know, embodies sort of the spirit of crypto in like an artistic, interesting and novel way. So, yeah. Where did the uh, magazine go? We just had it <laughs> a few minutes ago. Is it over there? Oh, yeah. So she brought it into the it's office right here. and signed it for us. Basically, Fortune Right was was working on, you know, an entire magazine dedicated to crypto's kind of takeover of Wall Street, so to speak. And you decided to it was it's it's sort of a bunch of crypto Twitter characters here. Walk us through like how you decided to encapture crypto versus Wall Street and create it like how you did. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when I was first approached by Fortune or their team, um, their creative director, Peter Herbert, just briefly gave me, I mean, they, they hadn't even decided on their tagline yet. So they didn't know, you know, where it says on the cover, it says crypto versus Wall Street. That hadn't even been decided yet, you know, when we first started talking. But they did say that the issue was going to be around crypto and DeFi. And then so I knew that I had to do something, obviously, crypto and DeFi related. And honestly, I, I think I was in sort of like a creative block on, uh, for a while. And then until at one time I was like at this happy hour and I was talking to Leighton Cusack, the co-founder or the founder of Pull Together. And then he basically I was just telling him how. I'm having trouble thinking of a good idea for the cover. And then he, him being, you know, the genius that he is, like went home that night and the, the next day texted me and said, oh, so I thought about your problem last night. And then I think that it would be an amazing, because um, I actually had brought up to him that what if I, you know, we had some way to sort of like engage um, influencers or something, but we were talking more like, you know, like Elon Musk or, well, I mean, not that he's in like crypto DeFi, but it's just more like as in real life people, not like fake. Not these anonymous folks. <laughs> not like fake people on the internet. Yeah. And then Fortune actually said that because I think one of their previous covers had, the reason why I said Elon Musk is because one of their previous covers had Elon Musk on their cover or at least like, you know, a representation of him. And then apparently there was some like legal trouble with that or something mm. like that. So anyway, they were just like, we don't really want to put like real people on the cover or whatever. And then so then Leighton was like, oh, to sort of get around this, uh, why don't you just do a bunch of crypto Twitter anons instead? Um, you know, they all have avatars, it's, you know, and then I thought, oh, wow, like Leighton's literally a genius. And then so, yeah, and then I took this idea of like, you know, sort of representing the rabbit hole, like, you know, or portal, hence, like, the Bantag bunny, like, sitting at the very beginning of, like, the hole is meant to, you know, sort of, like, symbolize the whole rabbit hole, like, red pill situation. And um, it really is just sort of my sort of visualization of how I see crypto Twitter and the metaverse. And similarly, because I... I literally also, I mean, everybody who's been in the space has a very similar experience of like falling down this rabbit hole, right? And then so, yeah, I just wanted to sort of like portray that. And I knew that I wanted to contrast sort of like the mundaneness of the real life traditional finance world, which is in the background, like Wall Street, you know, the colors are dull, whatever. And then inside is like this very vibrant, um, colorful and fun world, which is the metaverse and crypto Twitter that as we know it today. And yeah, because that's kind of what it means to me. And I think it probably resonated with a lot of people. So the cover kind of like went viral when it came out. That juxtaposition is really incredible. And I think you really have to kind of think about it, look at it, and then you can unpack these themes. It's funny, crypto Twitter is kind of like 
a centralized version of what the metaverse could be. Right. Yeah. Right. Like all these people who don't necessarily know each other, there's all these different memes being exchanged that spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their character. Do you think that's like the future? Is that how we're all going to engage? We're all going to have like a cat or a <laughs> penguin or something and then be known by fun names or? Honestly, I feel like every day my life goes in a different direction. So it's really hard to say what the future is going to be like. But I don't really have a problem with this current one that we're in where everybody or not, you know, or at least everybody on crypto Twitter mostly have, you know, sort of like their own personas and stuff. And um, it really, you know, gives you I think it. There's a few different angles to it. First, it gives you like the freedom to sort of say things, you know, without the fear of it being attached to your real life identity. But the other thing um, which has been rewarding to me and I think a lot of other people is that, you know, unlike the traditional world where I feel, you know, connections and what you look like, who you know are so important, uh, crypto Twitter has been a space that really welcomes just anybody, you know, regardless of your whatever you look like, you can literally not be a real person, right? And yeah. then as long as you're delivering cool work, let's say cool tweets, cool information that's helpful to others, people are not shy about endorsing that at all. And I really find that super cool. So, Well, that's always like really fun for me when you see the person who's behind this account and they're never what you think they look like or what you think they might sound like. And that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I, I exactly. I mean, this has happened so many times uh, this week, actually, at events where I'm meeting people and then I'm like, oh, this is what you look like in real life. Like, it's crazy. I don't know. Like, I met I met Chainlink God recently. Actually, he's the only one where I actually think that he kind of fits like his avatar pretty perfectly, which was a surprise. But mostly everyone else did not look like how I expect them to look at all. Yeah. So walk us through like... So you kind of had this very cool career so far, right? And it's probably, this is just the beginning. And there's these two kind of like landmark pieces of of art or content. Um, Where do you go from here? What are some of the other things you've got cooking? Um, So I think probably releasing this week or actually maybe it was announced this morning. I'm not really sure (laughs) where I, well, my most recent collaboration was a piece that I did with Steve Aoki. He made the music and I made the visuals, but um, sort of what's, and then we're auctioning it off at Sotheby's. But what's more at least fun about it for me is that it's the first sort of like on-chain collaboration. So basically we created a Gnosis safe with both of our wallets and then we minted the artwork with that Gnosis safe. And the funds, or at least a portion of it, is going to back into the Gnosis safe, which is the vault that we co-created. And is we're going to use that to curate and collect from upcoming female artists because I have seen, you know, a gender disparity in the NFT space. Most of the blue chip artists are male. This happens in the traditional art world as well. And we have a chance to start over and set new ground rules. So hopefully... If like Steve and I collect and curate and then tweet about somebody, we could like help launch their careers and just sort of bring because there are a lot of women artists, but for some reason they're not getting the same recognition, you know, as their male counterparts. And this is something that I've experienced personally as well. But obviously I feel really, really lucky that sort of using crypto, I can, you know, have the recognition that I have today and hopefully share that with other women as well. It helps bring people who maybe typically were, you know, on the outside or not necessarily connected to the insiders in the art world can have their work at the forefront. Yes. 
So when you think about sort of Sotheby's and Christie's and all these different organizations, big art galleries and such, getting interested in this space, do you think that that's why they're getting interested? We can find these artists that otherwise we would not be engaging with or interacting with, or are there other opportunities that they see? I think um, it could be a combination of that and also just they find sort of this new technology or just form of, you know, tokenization, digital ownership, very interesting. And I'm sure, you know, the money is attractive as well. So there's probably like several elements to it. When you talk with these folks, like what are the differences between art and NFTs? When you think about the value of an NFT, is it, and I've tweeted about this, you know, like maybe one element that's new is memeability mm-hmm. or meme velocity. Sure. The degree yep. to which something can be memed. Yep. Which I don't know if that exists in art because I'm not an expert <laughs> on that on that space, but obviously rarity and whether or not something looks good mm-hmm. applies to both art and NFTs. But are there any other sort of comparisons or differences you see between the two? I mean, I think so. I mean, I feel like you probably touched on, you know, most of the points that I would have thought of myself. Um, I mean, I guess the other difference. I'm an expert on NFTs at this point, (laughs) I guess. I guess the difference is also that, you know, sort of real world art does kind of, how do you say, like deteriorate through time or just, you know, but NFTs like you don't have that. So maybe that's like another difference. Mm. Um, I mean, I also do talk a lot about how right now, I think we're so early because everybody sort of equates art or at least NFT art with just NFTs, which honestly is just not true, right? Mm -hmm. Like NFTs could be, you know, information or like a tweet, you know, like it's literally, it can be anything, right? Because it's just a tokenization of ownership, the digital ownership of something. It's the um, technology behind it, not um, necessarily an art piece. And so, yeah, I find it really weird, but also I guess just means we're early that everybody is just like, oh, if you say NFT, it means art. Even if, you know, you're thinking about a crypto punk or something, I think still people think of that as art. And I mean, it is in a way, but, you know, everything is art. Code is art. Literature is art. Well, you, you're you <laughs> kind of getting to a philosophical question that I was going to ask, which is if everything's an NFT, isn't isn't nothing an NFT? I mean, <laughs> Like, well, you, you'd have to mint it first. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But it opens the door to if you have a perfusion of these things, what does that mean for the value? I mean, obviously, for each individual kind of collection is not the right word, but category of NFT, crypto punks, I think there's 10,000 of them. So there's the limit there. But if there's this Cambrian explosion of NFTs, what does that mean for the value of each of these individual things? Is it feel like it brings it down? For sure, there's going to be that element. But I think that it's probably just something because we're already actually really familiar with the concept of, you know, digital ownership or sort of this digital value um, exchange and everything. I mean, it happens in like video games, but I guess it's just the first time obviously using blockchain and cryptocurrency, which now more and more people are starting to realize could actually be real money. (laughs) So it's just sort of like that translation from um, where I feel like it was more scattered and disorganized in the previous, you know, prior to Web3 world that we know of. Um, And then now it's just sort of like being a little bit more organized and transferable to things that we can actually see as in, you know, like on chain and stuff. So that's kind of like my opinion of it. Back is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. 
back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto, loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send or spend them using back. Get started today and get it together with back. Sign up at backbakkt.com. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect your bank account, and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. I also want to give a special thanks to Exodus. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy to use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone and interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset and your portfolio's performance over time. Sync your wallet across multiple devices to access your funds from anywhere. Maybe the best part is Exodus is integrated with the Trezor hardware wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Download Exodus at Exodus.com today. What do you think is missing from the space that will bring it to the next level? So many things. I mean, Web3 is kind of being held together by duct tape right now. Uh, anybody who's in the space knows that, you know, our products really are just not, you know, as much as everybody wants mass adoption to come, I don't even think we're ready for it. Like the, most of the products that we're using right now can't even support a large influx of users, right? So uh, yeah, like to answer your question, I think there's so many things that are missing right now to sort of take us to the next step. But I think the main things is just sort of getting more people familiar with the concept of Web3. I mean, even me, myself, every day I'm learning something new. I A lot of people think that I'm now considered Web3 native, but even I have a hard time pinpointing what exactly is Web3 or if I'm trying to explain it to somebody who's not in it. You know, how do we define it? Like, what are the core concepts and values of Web3 and crypto? So let's give it an attempt. <laughs> how would you explain it or describe Web3? Obviously, there's the, you know, use of blockchain technology, which is extremely important. Um, and then sort of just diving into why that technology is important, you know, for various reasons like transparency, just organization and documentation and then sort of extrapolating that further and thinking about how you can translate from that to, you know, accrue sort of real value such as, you know, social value, right? And community driven, I think, is a, another huge component of Web3 as well. And then sort of how do you capture community value to mm. like a token or something? That's really interesting. I think like a community needs to be there for a lot of these things to be part of Web3. Right. What do you think preclude something from necessarily being within Web3 or having to be an NFT, maybe you personally as an artist, do you think, you know, if you're working on a certain piece or thinking about a certain piece, maybe this doesn't need to be minted? This should just be, you know, sort of existing in the analog world. There's a dystopian type of future that I see where everything's online and no <laughs> artists are creating analog art and the days of yore of, of the Mona Lisa are behind <laughs> us, but that would be a bad thing. Hopefully, you know, people will still, 
you know, maybe it's both, you know, they paint something and then somehow take a picture of it and then NFT it and it's tied to that analog mm -hmm. image. But it's a long way of asking um, the question of how do you see these two worlds existing separately and then together? Well, hopefully, as long as literally the real world continues to exist as in our planet, because it is also dying, <laughs> raising awareness for global warming. Um, anyway, so hopefully if our planet continues to exist, then I think these sort of elements of real life art and objects, right? Like I can't, I can buy a coffee in the metaverse, but I can't actually drink it. It's not going to feed me. You know what I mean? So same with art. A lot of people, you know, like sculptures and stuff, they like to touch them. You know, that's why there's literally do not touch signs in every single museum. And so I think, you know, those are the kinds of things or experiences that separates, you know, that from being us sort of like migrating to a fully digital on-chain existence. And, you know, just us being able to sit in a recording studio in real life right now is a cherished moment, right? Like it's something that we pointed out, especially after the pandemic, um, I think people realize how important that is. And so I don't think it's going to go away as long as our planet <laughs> continues to exist. Fair enough. <laughs> so personally, for you, is everything you work on now going to be minted? No, absolutely not. And so how do you decide what is and, and what isn't? So, um, you know, I get approached, you know, since I guess, you know, this year or whatever, all the time about collaborations and NFTs and stuff. Uh, but I've been pretty selective about what I do and what I mint, mainly just because I hope that I guess like, you know, I don't I don't really see myself as a traditional artist or just an artist in just the way that I'm just minting artwork and I want people to buy it because they like me or my art. But I sort of have taken on the approach of everything that I mint hopefully has some value to either elevate the community or, you know, has like a another purpose other than it just being a piece of art. You know, for example, the Fortune magazine was something that I think is a special moment for all of us because it sort of represents, you know, like one of these pivotal moments of traditional media representing the entire community or at least, you know, a portion of mm -hmm. as many people as it could have fit on the cover, not including Frank. <laughs> Very tragic. <laughs> or Dean. Sorry, Dean. Or Dean did not make it. But yeah, so or, you know, obviously like the Uniswap piece, like these are hopefully pieces that I hope will sort of like retain their value and have hopefully some kind of cultural or historical significance if crypto and Web3 continue to develop. And that even if I, as people pleaser, as an artist, fade into irrelevance, I hope that the pieces that I've minted will sort of still have their purpose and value and that it's not just tied to my sole identity, but it is something that represents all of us, if that makes sense. How does it feel to have created something that has become the zeitgeist of a community? <laughs> I mean, I didn't even realize that people would think that. Uh, I just, yeah, I just saw. I think people think that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's funny because I, I think I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh, how do you feel being a historian or something? And I, <laughs> I genuinely, that was not on my mind when I was just creating this. I just wanted it to represent as much of, ever it was almost like I saw it as putting an inside joke but on like a very like front facing traditional media kind of way. And I can't believe I got away with it, honestly. Like when they really, you know, the night that I shipped the final image and they're like, all right, it's going out tomorrow. And I was like, I can't. 
can't believe somebody allowed this to happen. I feel that way with some of my headlines sometimes. <laughs> I think I can't believe I've been allowed to write this in such a cheeky way, especially when I was at Business Insider. Yeah, and I think that's um, sort of the what's fun and cool about crypto and Web3 as well, because we're, I think a lot of us sort of have a sense of humor that's kind of weird and, you know, not normal, I guess. And not normal. It is not normal. And but, you know, because of sort of all the value that's being accrued in crypto and, you know, how fast growing it is um, and sort of the traditional, you know, corporations and media is starting to there's this inversion of control. So I think part of what's so fun about crypto is all of us just trolling in a way or just, you know, sort of nudging our way into seeing how much we can get away with just like putting memes or, you know, things that would have otherwise been very strict or mundane um, and just make things a little bit more fun and cheeky, like you said. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's happening with a lot of these Gary Gensler memes. (laughs) You know, we're all kind of worried about the regulatory uncertainty or lack of clarity. And, you know, there are some people who go out there with a sinners in the hands of an angry God approach with this gentleman. But I think 80% of it I've seen is just kind of like, taking it very much on the chin Mm -hmm. and almost like embracing him with a a sort of a cheeky humor. Just thinking about that, because this morning I've just seen so many, you know, like the (laughs) trade meme where it's like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like you get this and I get that. I get that. And it's like, I don't remember the specific ones, but they were, maybe we can link them in the episode. But like (laughs) that sort of thing, though, like, I don't know if I see that in other industries with such velocity. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. The power of the meme. So what are you excited for looking ahead to the end of the year? What trends are you anticipating to unfold? Um, well, I would like to see there just being more sort of maybe game like stuff on on chain, um, because I, like I said, this past year, I think with NFTs has been so art focused Um and I just feel like, you know, there's so many other areas that we can expand into. So hopefully we get to see that a little bit, a bit more. At least that's as much as I can comment on. Yeah. Well, I think it's like it's certainly getting to be something that's more at the forefront of the space. Right. I remember six months ago, people at the block, like our research team, which is really plugged into what's happening in the space, like they're kind of like always a half a year ahead of the news team in some respects on these trends because we're kind of playing catch up with just what's breaking out there. And for months and months, the team was pounding the table to to kind of get more NFT episodes or to do an episode on NFTs. And mm-hmm. so we did one, but it was just on music. And it was like, all right, well, then there's the metaverse and then there's sure. art. And then we just did one, the first one on on-chain gaming with um, Axie Infinity. Mm-hmm. So it's like now we've done almost like seven episodes and we still haven't really scratched the surface. Sure. I mean, even me, myself, I constantly feel like I'm behind in the space. And so, yeah, it's just like really hard to keep up with, you know, everything that's happening. But at the same time, there's so many more areas that we can expand it into. In terms of like the metaverse and, and maybe gaming is tied into this, but do you think that there's enough people outside of like the crypto world who would... For instance, if if I just got an email here from the chain smokers, if they had like a <laughs> concert in the metaverse, would people go to that? Would people like people who are playing like, you know, mainstream games, like do they like care if like the the like, you know, if you're playing Call of Duty 
Do you care if the gun you sort of a rifle you purchase is now a tradable on-chain asset? Like, will regular people, and I include myself in that group, will, <laughs> will we like, will, will that sort of like get people interested or, or is it just this weird group of crypto native folk? It's hard to say because I think that literally the technology doesn't even exist yet for us to trade, let's say, assets between different games, right? Like if I wanted to trade an asset in a Riot game to a Blizzard game, that just is not possible. But I do obviously imagine a future with NFTs where that is possible. But because we haven't experienced it yet, so it's hard to you know know whether or not people are going to receive it well or even if there's a demand for it. But I, I definitely feel like also part of why there was such a like i mean there was a bull run but maybe the pandemic really helped the bull run as well um the reason i say that or think that is because i basically went through the pandemic and you know that was like when DeFi summer happened and everything but this is also when i discovered things like decentraland and i really sort of it was only then that i was locked indoors forever that i realized the value of these sort of like digital entertainment and like being inside but like still plugged into the metaverse and stuff because yeah, like, you know, I don't know, maybe in a future when, like I said, the world is bleak and we can't go outside anymore because it's too hot or something, then we have to really rely on sort of these digital experiences to entertain us. And um, humans are, you know, as creatures, we're constantly looking for things to, you know, stimulate our brains. Mm. And so, yeah, idle hands make for the devil's playground. Exactly. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, but this is going to be really exciting. I can't wait for this to come out. I want to thank you for coming on the show. People yeah. pleaser, thanks so much for stopping by The Scoop to chat with us. Where can our listeners learn more about what you're doing? Twitter mainly. <laughs> I'm The metaverse. Yeah, the metaverse and Twitter. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, they'll find you on Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have a great day.